folks, Apostle Lewis with you today for another weekly Kingdom Outlook. We're going to talk about why God wants you to prosper and not be in lack. Before we get into that, I got a new offer of foundations. Uh, it's in a new product that's in our store talking about the principles of Christ, the elementary principles that most people have never studied out. It's one of my most requested ones that I get from people. There is a link below, and I'm going to start a, a new code today. Um, um, we're going to call this one Prosperity. And you're going to get 20% off through the month of April. Now listen, you're going to get 20% off through the month of April on any, any of our five phases of the school. Okay, it's $10 off on any of the five. Okay, so use the code PROSPERITY. It'll be in the link below. I will, uh, you'll be able to find uh, I'll send you a link to the website that has all those things. I'll also be below, and I'll put those in comments. And while you're there, would you do me a favor? Would you like, subscribe, share this on whatever platform you're watching it? Would be, that's how you can greatly support me. Of course, if you want to financially support me, there is also on my website, lewisdsand.com. There's a link for PayPal, and there is also a... Um, uh, link for partners. If you go in the school product, you'll find how to partner with us. So God bless you. Let's now get to today's uh, message. folks, Apostle Lewis here with you for another uh, installment of our Weekly Kingdom Outlook. I uh, want to talk to you today about uh, prosperity. And I know that that gets a really bad, bad uh, name. I, I, there's um, a pastor in L.A. who speaks against the prosperity gospel. Meanwhile, he lives in L.A. with like a $3 million home. So where he's against it, he actually prospers in it and somehow it gets derailed. Now, I will, um, I will give some correction to this idea that giving is a um, um, a mechanism. Like we're not playing lotto with our tithe and our giving. That if somehow we do that enough times, then wham, bam, thank you. We're you know all of a sudden the winning ticket comes in. I, I want us to get away from that mentality and giving. Giving, when we're tithing and giving offerings, we're stewarding what the Lord's giving to us because he owns it all. And what we're actually doing is we're showing good, faithful stewardship. Where do I put my priorities in my finances? And so he's always, that's part of our growing up. And so, you know, do I want to operate in the spirit of the world or do I want to operate in the kingdom? Because if I operate in the kingdom, all my giving, all my sowing, all my Sowing into the kingdom has eternal rewards, but I operate in the spirit of the world where it's all about me now, power, uh, things, then, then, you know, that's not a good, a good mechanism to go to. So, um, we don't want to do that. All right. So let's look at something. Uh, you probably read this scripture before it's found in the third epistle of John. Go ahead and turn there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Third epistle of John, um, and it says this. 
it would help if I turn the page. Hold on. Beloved, verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You know, I've, I've been in the church a while, 30 years or so more, and I believe in the prosperity of God. I, I believe that God wants his people to prosper. Lack is not a sign of character, even though the way that you handle tough seasons in your life is. But lack in, in and of itself is not a sign of character. Okay? So, uh, and prosperity doesn't always mean that you have the same good character. Doesn't mean that. Okay? But prosperity is a sign of God's graciousness, his generosity. We can see this in Esther, where the king gave abundance of wine according to the generosity of the king. That the prosperity of God is a sign of his generosity. We can see this in, we can learn this from Israel, that when they were obedient, they prospered. When they weren't, they, they, they you know, they weren't prosperous. We can see this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you do these things, you'll have these prosperous things. If you don't do these things, here's what will happen to you. We see that God's character is prosperity versus lack. And why is the church comfortable in lack? I'm going to tell you why. Lack gives you less options and causes you to have less freedom. And it is the spirit that the world doesn't want you to know. In other words, why does government want to keep people in lack? Why don't they just let the economy go? Why, why, let's just ask you this, why in the last four years under Donald Trump, when the economy was booming, they denied it? Now, the data is clear. The economy was like scorching along before COVID, okay? Matter of fact, it's starting to scorch along now. Every state that, Florida has like a 5% unemployment rate. That's nearly considered virtual unemployment. You never have no unemployment. Okay, because uh, economies change and people are closing down this business because it was failing and they open up another business. You have all these people shifting careers and they might go, hey, I was doing this. I now want to do that. And you're always going to have this in-between stuff. So for economists, anything that's 5% or below, you get lower, lower, is virtually unemployment. Matter of fact, we had trouble finding people for jobs. Not for just any job, like for the qualified jobs, we were having trouble finding them during Trump administration because there was such low unemployment. Now, why does the left, the spirit of this world, just completely fight that? Because financial freedom gives you more options than dependency. Does that seem like odd to you? And God is not afraid of prosperity. We are. The church is. The church doesn't like the thought of you being prosperous. Now, every church says they would like people prosperous, but not every church really does. I do not like the teaching of give and like it's a Russian roulette. I give because it's my heart, my willingness. I tithe because it's my rent on earth. I tithe because it's the right starting point in my giving. In other words, I'm, it's commanded to give the tithe. Matter of fact, if you're of the order of Melchizedek, you understand the tithe. Okay? But I go well beyond that. You know, that's not all I 
give, okay? It's the right starting point. Zero is not the right starting point. 10% is, okay? Because 10%, everyone's required based on their income to give 10%. Then the willingness of the heart is expressed after that. But I, I want to tell you, God wants you to prosper in your soul, wants you to prosper in your family, wants you to pray. There are some people that when things are going good, they're waiting for the hammer to drop on them. You know, you see this all the time in movies. I was just watching something the other day. Um, and it said, um, enjoy it now because nothing ever, nothing good ever lasts. I mean, that's just a bad mental philosophy. That's a bad, that's not the kingdom. You know, Israel didn't have to go through the troubles they went through. They went through because they started worshiping false gods and broke the covenant with God. That's why. Okay. So it wasn't like they had to go through those things. They just, they actually chose the wrong path. Okay. But I, I, I'm not against prosperity. Matter of fact, I would rather have people prosperous than not prosperous. Wouldn't you? I mean, for me, I, I like seeing people prosperous. I want my children to prosper. I want my, I want my church family to prosper. I want the church to prosper. I want, I there we we treat prosperity as if it's um, only a few people can have it, not everybody. That's not true because the the thing you have to understand about wealth, wealth is created. And there's enough people who will not participate. Let me let's finish this way. Saudi Arabia princes, and there's like a thousand of them or something. They're all princes. Which literally means none of them have to work and they're all billionaires. That's when that's a Muslim nation. Do you know what God wants for his children? He wants his children to prosper. Now, what, what is prosperity? That's what we have to determine. Because prosperity might not be being a multimillionaire, okay? That's that's not what um, what the kingdom describes as prosperity, okay? Even though, man, you can look at Isaac and it says God blessed him uh, a uh, 100 times and then he prospered. No, he says he, let me see, let me read it. Sorry about that. I think it's uh, Genesis chapter 26. Remember, all that's written was for our learning. It's, you know what God is teaching them in the book of Genesis? Who he is as their provider. That's why Abraham calls him Jehovah Jireh. Okay, it's why the ram shows up in the thicket. And he says, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, he provided. Okay, and God's trying to teach them this. Because they're getting to know who God is. Okay, they're getting to know him personally. And he says to, excuse me, let me get there. He says to Isaac, let's just read Genesis 26. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abelmelech, king of the Philistines, Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my, my laws for a different time. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. The men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife. 
because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through the window and saw, that, saw and there uh, through, uh, and there was Isaac showing endearment, he was kissing Rebekah, uh, his wife. And then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously she is your wife, so how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Amalek said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. You know, we think like the Philistines were all like immoral people. <laughs> do you ever, you know, do you ever sometimes think that? Not, not necessarily the total case. Here's a king who understands you could have caused us to sin. He said, He charged all his people saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and of great number of servants. So the, so the Philistines envied him. Of course they would. What's the point? God wants you to prosper. That's my number one point to you. Okay? What does it mean? God wants you to increase. Let's say you made $100,000 last year. God wants you to make more this year. And don't settle for last year in the sense that you're going to have to work. You're gonna, you might have to work, but start believing God for the increase so that you can be a blessing to those of your family to those of the people around you, to that of your local church that you belong to, whatever it might be, your community. It, when you prosper, you create wealth, you create jobs, you create an economy that helps those around you. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, people go, well, you know, th that person's getting paid 10 times more than the workers. You understand? He's been faithful for years. That worker showed up last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just gave the, the worker didn't give him a business. The business gave the worker a job, and that's free enterprise. And people have a real tough time with that. But that, that's for a different uh, occasion. Listen, let's talk about what prosperity is. Okay, um, that that we can understand this a little bit better, and and not get so um, off track when it comes to the prosperity of God. You know, I, I think feel we just get so off track on this. All right. Now, I'm just going to start in, um, well, I'm just going to summarize. Read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I'm going to go through some of the scriptures, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. First, he starts off talking about the church at Macedonia and how they gave. And Paul talks about this and says, he wants this grace to be upon the church at Corinth. He's, look, what, what happens in the Philippine church, or the Philippians church, Philippine church, the Philippian church, is they start giving to Paul. They're supporting Paul in his work. He comes, he preaches to them. They be, he becomes their spiritual father. They begin to sow into his life directly. Even on his mission trips, they sow into it. They abundantly do it, not once, but twice, and which is written in Philippians. And he says, oh, that this, you know, that not that this is my needs were met, but that what is credited to your account. And he says to the Corinthian church, which Paul has been preaching free of charge, 
working, making tents, but it's not the best for the Corinthians. By the way, if you read, keep reading, he's going to kind of rebuke himself that I sin by preaching there for preaching to you for free. And he said, maybe because he didn't teach them the principle of sowing and reaping like he should have. Okay. Turns out because of that also, the church is very carnal in nature. All right. So he says in verse 7, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and all diligence, in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace. Do you understand there's an empowerment to give? He wants them to be empowered to give. Now listen to what it says in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in heaven in total abundance, yet for your sakes became poor, that, that through his poverty you might become rich. Not just in spiritual blessings. How many know God's given you a dream? I want you to know something. God has given you dreams, and don't muffle them. I know it's painful sometimes to think that they're not going to come to pass, but that's what you take before God in prayer. Lord, you've given me this dream. I need you to provide everything I need for this, Lord. And, and you can get specific, like, Lord, I need, uh, I need a new marketing strategy. Lord, I need a new sales strategy. Lord, I need a, I need a new employee. I need a, you know, you can get really creative uh, in telling them your needs for that. Why? Because he's the one who gave you the business or the, the job or whatever it is. You might be working for someone. And it should be your heart. Lord, how do I cause the one I'm working for or serving to prosper? We see that with Abraham's servant. Lord, make my way prosperous for your servant Abraham. Okay, when he goes to find uh, Rebecca, he actually asks for himself that the Lord be with him so that it blesses his, 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 his master. We have to learn these things. This is part of the prosperity thing. How do I make those I'm serving prosperous? You know, when I served Randy, I built websites. I did all that for him so he could sell his product more. I worked on with him with his product. I worked on with him to school and trying to organize it for him. I didn't get paid for any of that. It was really just to make him more successful. That's the goal. All right. Most people are waiting to be told to do something. And that's why they think they're being faithful. And that's why Jesus rebukes that in Luke 17. And he says, if you only do what you're told, you're not you're an unprofitable servant. Because they a true servant of the Lord, a true servant of anybody, begins to think, how do I, I'm here serving, how do I make it more prosperous? Sometimes we only do that with direct correlation with income. But, you know, for me in air traffic control, it was like, I'm going to do the best job, because that's my job, and I'm going to think how to do that best job. Now, air traffic control is a little different, because it's a whole bureaucracy, but let's just say that um, you go work at a boutique. And you hear a couple of the employees saying, oh, I wish, or a couple of the customers, I wish we had this, I wish we had that. You can go and do some research. How can we get that product in here and go to your employer and go, hey, you know, we've had about 10 people come in here. They've been looking for this product. I mean, I think we can get a lot of people in the store if we can get this product in here and then market it that we have this product and we, and we have a sale going on. And you can use both of those things to bring more customers in here. And attract them to the boutique. You understand those things. Can, you got to think, think that way. How do we grow what we're? If you're you're a faithful steward, when you bring increase, but most people aren't thinking about that, and they think they're faithful. And I'm just telling you before the Lord, the thing the Lord always gets me. How are you bringing increase? And I, I'm always thinking about increase. All right, because God wants you to prosper. Okay, but sometimes the way you prosper is by making your boss prosper and him recognizing that and then him rewarding you 
Okay. Now it's up to the employer to reward that kind of good service. It's up to the employer to do that. Okay. It's up to the employer to, to learn how to reward those who are faithful. Okay. That's why your child controller was a real thing is it's like, you know, they come up to me and go, you're such a good controller. And, and, but there wasn't a real reward system for that. That's really bad example uh when you work for the government but listen let's go let's go on so now paul is going to talk about giving and he says this in verse eight he wants you to remember this that god is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work that's prosperity why is the church afraid of prosperity I don't know fully I think some is they think how they think prosperity is the millionaires club that's that's the wealth club we're not talking or that's riches that's being rich it's but you know that might be in a different category we're talking about prosper let's just say let's just say the, this is why I try to tell a lot of missionaries well I need like I, I'm gonna they go I'm gonna go on a missions trip and I need uh, da, 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 and they got it down to the penny. And I go, good, I go, double it. They go, double it, double it. They go, why double it? I said, because it's not enough. You have enough to buy the things before you leave, but you're not going to have enough when you're there. Stop thinking that that's being a bad steward. Personally, I believe that you don't have to take the cheapest fare all the time. You, you know, you just shouldn't have to do that. Shouldn't have to do that. I try to get, when my people come in, I try to get them good. I do appreciate when we book them four months out that they don't wait until the night before to try to book their ticket. And it's like extreme amount of money uh, that they, we can book it. We try to book it a month in advance so that we can get a better price. But I don't go, yeah, they have this economy. You're going to be in the bug, the baggage compartment and stuff like that. Okay, I, I don't fly that way. When I fly Delta, I try to get the com the the comfort upgrade, comfort plus, where I get a little more leg room. Okay, I, I, next time I go to Italy, I'm gonna bump it up to business class um, or comfort at least because it's just you arrive feeling better. I mean, it's just you got a little more leg. I'm six one, two hundred plus, two hundred thirty pounds. It's not comfortable being in a small seat. It's you know I need leg room. Um, and I can't get any work done and I like getting some work done, uh, when I'm flying. So, and then I like to sleep a little bit if I can, and I can't always do that in small seats and stuff like that. So I, I don't mind doing that. And I think that a lot of people feel guilty with that. Okay. And the problem with the church is we, we have this mentality that being a good steward is, is going down to the penny and we're afraid of abundance. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to just say this to you right now. If you're going on a missions trip, nothing says you have to go there in the cheapest manner possible. Okay? You're going to be safer in a good hotel. You're going to be safer, um, you know, with less legs on the flight than, you know, sometimes you can't help it. I mean, I know one friend, he had to fly back from, I forget where it was, it was at. Uh, it took him like 48 hours to get back, you know. But I'm sure it's because, you know, direct flights were more expensive. 
Don't do that to yourself. Start believing in the abundance of God. You might not hit your goal the first time of the abundance. Like, I, it's going to cost me $2,132.27. Well, I, I sat there and put a budget for four grand, and I only got $3,200. Well, guess what? God blessed you with, you know, $1,300 extra. So now when you go there, you can give an offering. You can tip people well. You're going to have people who are going to be waiting on you. If you go in and look at something, you can bless them. You're not strapped. There's nothing in the kingdom of God that says lack is his will. Abundance is. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you, you need 2100 and he gives you $575,000. That's not what it means. Okay, but it does mean stop nickeling and diming yourself so that when you're done with that one, you're exhausted, you're worn out. It took you forever to come home because, you know, instead of taking the direct flight or two leg flight, I had to take the seven leg flight, uh, you know, to get home. You know what I mean? When me and my wife and when I go to Italy, I upgrade the train ticket. I'm going to be on that train for three, four hours. I upgrade the train ticket. So I have a table and I pull out my laptop and I do work when I'm traveling down you know, the high-speed train. I do that. I just always try to get some reading, some studying, some writing done. I make my time productive. I can't do that if I weasel out of every penny I'm going to spend on that trip. And and I'm telling you, people don't understand this. And and a lot of times, the church nickel and dimes people. And, and you want to be prosperous. And if you try to look, if you try to hold your minister to lack, you're going to put the spirit of lack on everyone in that church. My father-in-law... And mother-in-law were in the ministry for 40 years. Man, the church kept them in such poverty. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous how they were so impoverished. You know, always having to depend every day for someone to bring food. You know, and you might say, oh, but see, they were trusting the Lord. Oh, no, they have a heavenly reward. But wouldn't it have been nice if they could have went on a vacation, because you know what? The only vacations they took was to come down here and see their only grandkids. Those the only vacations they took. And they were just the most precious people. But I watched that system. That's not God. God wants you to prosper. Look, if you're making $10 an hour, God wants you to make 15 Okay? He wants you to prosper. Okay? He does. It's not a sin to be abundantly supplied. God doesn't want you meeting your bills week to week. He wants you to prosper. I want you to prosper. God wants you investing. God wants your money growing for you. Okay? Don't, don't accept lack, but trust him in the season. But don't accept that as your destiny or identity. You will never do great things with no money. Don't tell me Mother Teresa on the... Mother Teresa was wealthy. She built hospitals for crying out loud. She didn't spend it on supercars. That wasn't her goal. But she did have hospitals. You know, I don't even have a problem with, like, people have a problem with these ministers. You know, Creflo Dollar buying a Gulfstream. Well, when you fly 300 days out of the year, yeah, you need your own plane. That saves you about 40 days of travel. You don't know it does, but it does. It's He doesn't have to go and wait three hours on an international flight. He doesn't have to wait in connecting flights. He doesn't, you, you know, he gets to get home with his family. And people are all mad. Well, people are mad because, well, people gave. I don't have any problem with that. Matter of fact, I like to take a ride on his Gulfstream if he ever wants to invite me. 
I've been on a Gulfstream. They're nice. I'd love to have one. You know, I have no problem with that. I, I think that people are always envious. Instead of those people are, are signs to us that God's prosperity is to be with us, just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. That's my message for today, for this week. Thank you. Hey, would you do me a favor? Go ahead and subscribe and like and do all that stuff. I always forget to do that. So would you go ahead and do that for me? Appreciate it. Love you. Bye-bye.